Hi, and welcome to What a Mess, the only podcast that speaks about fashion industry issues. Today's guest is Ursula de Castro, co-founder of Fashion Revolution. Fashion Revolution is the biggest network of people fighting for justice and more sustainable world. So the first question is, um, why do you think we need a fashion revolution? Well, we still need a fashion revolution because the industry is very definitely not changing fast enough. Although we have seen movement since the Rana Plaza disaster, which is when fashion revolution started. And we are particularly seeing this on a global level, judging by the teams that fashion revolution has all over the world, we're really seeing a bigger participation when it comes to individuals and organizations and a much deeper understanding of the social and environmental impact of the industry. But the industry is not changing fast enough. Um, it's not spending enough. It's not really taking heart as to the changes that need to happen in order to achieve a more reputable and equitable and a more sustainable future. And therefore, we still need to demand, we still need to create that change. And that's what Fashion Revolution set out to do. Mm, amazing. I, I think you guys are doing an amazing job with everything that you're doing. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for that. We're, we're, we try. Uh, we're not perfect, but yeah. we, we do try. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about being perfect, you know, but slowly trying yeah. to accomplish more and more step by step, I think, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, for those who don't know you, which is kind of hard to believe, um, <laughs> since you created a living legacy, we can call it. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Um, I'm sure that there's loads and loads and loads of people who don't know who I am and what I do, because I've noticed my, my own echo chamber is becoming bigger. So I'm delighted to introduce myself. My name is Ursula de Castro, and I am the co-founder and global creative director of Fashion Revolution, which is um, an organization demanding um, for a clean, fair, better, more respectful fashion industry. But my own background is 100% creative. I was a designer, an upcyclist designer. Mm -hmm. I started my own little brand in 97. It was small, but quite influential when it came to recuperating rubbish, as I would put it. I was also the co-founder and um, co-curator of Estetica at London Fashion Week, which was probably the first um, sustainable fashion area to really look at design and sustainability from the same point of importance. Um, it was a small but very influential cohort of people and it ran between 2006 and 2014 at which point fashion revolution took over my life and, and everything else kind of, you know, um, both the brand and Aesthetica sort of stopped and while fashion revolution kept on growing. Amazing. 
Amazing. So basically, Fashion Revolution was founded um, on 24th of April 2013, right? After the Rana Plaza building in Bangladesh collapsed. Yeah, so the building collapsed and the, you know, as as I've said before, um, Carrie and I met at Aesthetica. Um, and mm-hmm. Carrie called me a few days after the Rana Plaza disaster um, with this kind of fully formed idea in many ways with the name, you know, Fashion Revolution. At the time, it was Fashion Revolution Day. And the, the idea was to um, create a global movement that would kind of unite every year um, on the anniversary of the Rana Plaza to, you know, commemorate and debate um, commemorate mm-hmm. the victims and 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 uh, celebrate the survivors and debate mm-hmm. how never, ever, to be in that situation again as an industry. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess you know I, I immediately jumped at the opportunity and my role was very much that of um, well Carrie and I worked together very much on the vision but bringing together the team um, which mm-hmm. I feel was very much there already at least in the uk there was a strong movement already in in mm-hmm. fashion and sustainability with some amazing players from dillis williams from the center for sustainable fashion thames in Jeanne, and what was then the ethical fashion forum now ceo and and several others and um so the, there was already a kind of a thriving conversation and mm-hmm. fashion revolution really did point to the fact that the moment was rife. You know, so many people joined us from all over the world, other individuals who wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of the revolution. So that was 2013. And, and here we are now, nearly coming to our eighth year of campaigning. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And it also grew so fast. You know, you guys are like yeah. the biggest network of people supporting, you know, justice and, and planet. So it's amazing. It's so wonderful, though, to see how many other networks have Mm -hmm. been born. It's almost as if um, Fashion Revolution gave agency for a different type of campaigning, you know, a little bit more spontaneous, Mm -hmm. less formal, um, and also, to a certain extent, quite positive in attitude. You know, let's actually get together and make changes rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, sit here and be afraid and 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 not speak and i i'm i'm really proud to see how many other organizations have um come to light in the last however many years particularly i'd say three two three years um each focusing on on areas that are equally important it really shows that there is safety in numbers and that you know we we really need to get together in order to challenge the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. So what was like the main inspiration going in your head when you started and launched Fashion Revolution with Carrie? So I guess both Carrie and I are quite visionaries, but weirdly enough, the vision for Fashion Revolution is to not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is to not need a fashion revolution. Mm-hmm. So the point was always that of um, highlighting visibility of the supply chain. I mean, fashion revolution was born as a specific demand mm-hmm. after the Rana Plaza disaster. And at the time, I mean, the word transparency was not as, as widely spoken as it is now. 
it took a long time for brands to understand whether they were or weren't producing in the Rana Plaza complex. So it was very much around visibility of the people who make our clothes. I mean, we started with this really simple hashtag, who made my clothes? And, you know, we knew that it was a difficult question to answer. We didn't know quite how difficult it would turn out to be mm -hmm. for brands to, to answer. So how little accountability really there was. And so the, the, that was the original kind of moment, the original, the starting point. Although Carrie and I always knew that this wasn't going to be uniquely a social campaign. We knew from the mm -hmm. very start that you can't talk social unless you talk environmental. And mm -hmm. um, obviously it took us a while to, to grow into this 360 degrees vision of the fashion industry, which encompasses you know, people and nature and nature and people. Mm -hmm. But it's been one of our fundamental topics of discussion since I guess 2017 since we started looking at the environment originally with the hashtag love clothes last mm -hmm. um, and with with a collaboration with greenpeace but it was always in in um, in our vision that fashion revolution was talk you know would be mm -hmm. really speaking about both people and nature yeah that's amazing i love that so i can imagine that starting a company as such was incredibly hard for both of you so can you point out what were like the biggest challenges um, in launching Fashion Revolution for you guys? So I was very lucky in that sense, Carrie and I fit perfectly. I mean, I um, I have to say we, we very much supported each other to begin with, as it was, you know, primarily myself and Carrie and, and, and other members of mm -hmm. the team mm -hmm. sort of joining joining slowly. But the challenges for me were very bureaucratic. You know, what, what are we? Are we a community interest company? Can we transition into becoming a charity? Um, you know, how do we fundraise? All of these preoccupations I would have found very difficult to deal with. While I found it very easy to come up with, with um, you know, with concepts and taglines, you know, the be curious, find mm -hmm. out, do something. And in that, I think Carrie and I worked brilliantly because we, we just moved ahead in unison, um, each doing what needed to be done. So I have to say, it didn't feel very challenging. I'm delighted to say it didn't feel really challenging. It actually felt really, really normal. Mm. Um, I mean, we worked so hard that first year, but when we did come out as Fashion Revolution Day in 2014, um, we were somehow already fully fledged. The fact that our branding was available, you know, to download for everyone made us look even more kind of organized and, and mm -hmm. real as, as a campaign. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting. I just don't remember it being, I remember it being really exciting and I guess exciting and nervous tread a fine line. So potentially I was always kind of nervous and always excited. But the challenges were obviously, you know, the finances, you know, becoming funded as an organization, being taken mm -hmm. seriously enough, having enough of an impact to warrant the, mm -hmm. the, the financial support that we've received by the organizations that do fund us. Mm -hmm. um, and the other challenge, I guess, was 
to absolutely ensure that we had our voice. We were very stubborn in who we wanted to be. And we didn't want to be doom and gloom. We did want to be uh, you know, a positive campaign, a campaign that came from people that understood the industry. So that challenge of being forever slightly on the inside and slightly on the outside mm-hmm. um, of the fashion industry itself. So finding the right balance of how to say things, when to say things, and also how to grow. You know, we started as a non-shaming brand 100% mm-hmm. when we began, and we've become much more vocal ourselves as an organization. You know, you don't, you don't stay stagnant when you campaign. Your activism changes and, and mutates, mm-hmm. as do statistics that oscillate, uh, you know, as soon as new research comes to light. So that's been challenging to to find, you know, over the course of eight years, remaining true to our voice, but, you know, also step ahead with the time and and change and mature as an organization. Got it. So you mentioned that um, the vision behind fashion revolution is basically to not, you know, have the fashion revolution, but... Um, if you could maybe go back in time and say one thing to yourself, you know, in the times of struggle or worry, what would you say to yourself? Well, um, I think if I could answer this question, I would be a completely um, delighted and, I don't know, sort of human being, which I am not. I suffer from anxiety quite deeply actually Mm -hmm. and I'm a very vulnerable human so I don't know how I comfort myself at a time of anxiety I guess it's different each time but I certainly don't have a formula yet (laughs) so actually if anybody does please come and find me and give it to me I actually find activism terrifying I actually find being um, a, a public figure even more terrifying And um, I find the courage to speak my mind and to be truth to myself, uh, you know, again, a a very difficult balance to to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly at this point in time when, you know, with social media, anyone Mm -hmm. can, you know, um, attack you as well as, uh, you know, support you. And it's it's a really, you know, it's, it's a dangerous space. So I look up to people that have been doing this longer or better than me, hugely, and they are a massive, massive um, source of inspiration for me and calm. When I look at other women in particular who are dealing with um, making, trying to be making changes and at the same time, you know, finding that, finding that space to remain focused mm-hmm. and, and strong. So uh, other people are, are, are a source of inspiration. And, uh, you know, I suffer from both the anxiety of, as I said, being on the front line and the the eco-anxiety, the social anxiety that many other people who are so aware of, of the topics that we discuss suffer from at the same time. So it's a, it's a, that's a fine balance uh, to be able to, to carry on. But I don't know any different. In my entire career, I've been swimming against the current. So I don't know any different. I don't know what it would feel like to be swimming in consensus. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just carry on. Yeah. So what makes you carry on? Very curious. The ultimate belief that um, 
I am doing things to a certain extent that respects my own limits. I mean, I talk about fashion. I don't talk about neuroscience or philosophy. I talk yeah. about fashion. That's been my, uh, you know, that's my limit. It's my love and my limit. Um, I can attach a lot of philosophical thinking and a lot of, uh, you know, deep thoughts onto talking about clothes. Mm -hmm. So, but ultimately I talk about clothes. I talk yeah. about an industry that is invasive. I talk about an industry that has been damaging to people and nature. I talk about an industry that has been and is continuously exploitative. Yes. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand this. So I'm just a, in a way, a carrier of a message. Yeah. Um, and my message is relatively simple. You know, it is do what you can. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I do what I can in the realm of the things that I can do, but I am insanely privileged and in a way, um, you know, ahead in this journey because I've been thinking about it for so many years. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what makes me carry on is also the fact that I hear people are listening. You know, that's a huge motivator for someone like me mm -hmm. when I am, um, you know, when I find myself people encouraging this this way thinking but I carry on because I ultimately think it's useful mm -hmm. got it so what is the vision for the next five ten years do you know as of now for fashion revolution of course uh no I don't um actually and uh, you know it's it's again the for me the vision for fashion revolution is the country coordinators at Fashion Revolution. I mean, mm -hmm. what I have seen and the biggest change over the past eight years has been the network, the maturity of the network, the participation of the people that become involved in the network, the strength of the team, the commitments of the team. So my entire 100% vision is on growing those teams. We are nothing without those teams. We're not a centralized organization. Well, we are to a certain extent, but... Um, you know, with, with a real need to become less centralized as our teams become stronger, more capable of becoming self-sufficient, fundraising, and so on and so forth. So that's my only vision. And it's not necessarily to grow the number of those teams, but to grow the strength of each individual team and to grow the relationship between all of the teams together. So that's really where, where my vision is. Um, the kind of topics, the kind of things that we will be debating. Um, I don't necessarily have a vision for that. I don't know how we, yeah. come, we will come out of COVID. I don't know yeah. whether we will all revert to type and start to consume like crazy because that's what mm -hmm. our governments will tell us to do. I don't know whether we will be moving backwards for a few years before we move forward. I wouldn't want to mm -hmm. speculate. Yeah, totally. um, yeah, you know, same with me when people ask me, what is your vision? What's next for you? I'm like, I actually have no idea what's coming. No idea. Yeah. No idea because, what's coming. But yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, we I, can, I don't want. Yeah, we cannot build content or anything, any social action around something that we don't know, right? So we need to just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Totally. And I feel, you know, I feel that fashion revolution can be both proactive and reactive, which is mm -hmm. one of our, our beauties. Um, and I feel what, what I am feeling now, as I keep on mentioning the individuals within the revolution, is that uh, different in Kenya to what they might be in Chile, to what they are in Italy or in the Ukraine. 
that you know it is it is really important to look at things from from where they actually happen and with different yeah. points of view so not to generalize and say oh i believe it's going to be about this i mean i am very good at talking about certain things and my team members are better at talking about other things so it, it is really what everyone can do and how it all fits together in this puzzle you know me i talk about clothes i talk about mending i talk about brands having to be responsible and putting mending stations in their stores you know cheap brands cheap men and transparent and traceable luxury these are the things i talk about but the beauty of, of fashion is that it is individual and that we will all keep talking about things that are relevant from where we see them from our standpoint globally yeah totally my next question is who is or who are your role models do you have any millions billions squillions and it, it it is really really difficult for me to 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 make a list um mm -hmm. so suffice to say that i am not a uh, celebrity driven person yeah. so for me my role models tend to be people so it, it's just as likely that my role model is my next door neighbor as that my role model would be you know a, a historical um heroine um they tend to be women i'm very interested in women i'm a rabid feminist uh you know believe that the majority of our problems commenced with the patriarchy and so i've spent many many years of my life reading um female authors female poets female art so i would safely say that they tend to be female but they also very much change some of them i'm very lucky are in my family so some of my role models literally i i know that are they're in my ancestry so um, that feels quite lovely mm -hmm. um but yes you know it it's it it's really too many to list and in in a way they also change as as i as i change as well but many 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 i i refer to others continuously in my personal life and my career mm -hmm. yeah totally and you guys also built such a huge community with fashion revolution so you have a lot yeah. of people to kind of pick from you know I actually wanted to ask what was the key in creating such a community, you know, in all these different countries for you guys? That really did happen very, very spontaneously. We didn't call anyone. I mean, I can tell you Mel wow. who, from Australia was the first. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually met at an event in London and she's like, I'm bringing Fashion Revolution to Australia. But all <laughs> the others joined us uh, very spontaneously. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we are a family. We are a community. There's a little bit too many of us to have been able to congregate all together. But we've done we find ways of meeting you know when when we can physically and obviously more recently yeah. um mm -hmm. online but the community called us rather than the other way around you know the community was ready for us and um embraced us and married the you know the philosophy and and the movement wholeheartedly and that's why it is it is so important because they they really understood and they really brought their own thinking and their own feeling onto this this huge network yeah totally and from your perspective over the time and also now 
you know, a lot of people are talking about the change in the industry, right? So what can you see changing in the industry now? And what do you think that has to change in the future? So what I see changing now, mm -hmm. um, which I feel is incredibly important, is the understanding, particularly from a younger generation, a Gen Z type thing, about the importance mm -hmm. of learning. And um, this has kind of slightly happened during the COVID crisis. You know, COVID yeah. has acted a little bit like a magnifying glass, yeah. showing us everything that we've been doing wrong. Um, I am extremely um, positive at seeing a generation of kids, particularly, particularly in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement and racism and institutionalized racism, how a younger generation is turning to their teachers, their parents, their, you know, their community saying, you took me wrong. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I need to relearn everything because what you taught me is really not in tune with a what actually happened, but also, you know, in, we cannot evolve as people if we carry on mm -hmm. with these profound imbalances of justice, injustices, and, and, and um, uh, really deep um, racism and exploitation. So this, when we know that the fashion industry has profoundly exploitative and racist, it's been really easy for us to somehow um, re-explain this message all over again to a generation that potentially before they weren't really listening. They weren't really seeing the, 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 the kind of the, yeah. the exploitation of the industry quite mm -hmm. so clearly or being able to really, um, you know, make those historical connections, which is so important to be able to make. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's a change which I feel is incredibly, incredibly important um, in, in relation to what's happening now. And I guess um, for me, the other one is from a creative design perspective. I mean, one of our initiatives, Fashion Open Studio, is our way to showcase and, and support emerging talents. This is something I've been doing throughout my career and obviously brought into, into Fashion Revolution. Mm -hmm. And the, the changes there when it comes to young emerging uh, designers all over the world are staggering and you know they make my heart race when I see the incredible um, you know for instance upcycling that's happening in India that's happening in Africa in in, in you know the, the kind of the taking old crafts making them new um, the voices that we're hearing that the the systems that are being created each in defiance of the status quo that is breathtaking encouraging mm -hmm. and you know these these young pioneers need all of the visibility that we can possibly give them because there lie the seed of change yeah absolutely I believe that as well. And what do you think, um, you know, is there enough education around in social media, you know, internet? Because I see that a lot of people try to self-educate themselves on, you know, those important issues in the fashion industry. 
but actually i don't believe that you know um, there is enough education out there yet for example you mentioned schools right so what do you think could be a solution to yeah. that uh, another 150 study halls um, and the slow factory who are creating some brilliant free education programs um, and, you know, organizations such as the, the Right Project who also are providing um, information, you know, it, it's it I, I hear you. Um, and sometimes the type of information that I see online um, mm. can be very bitty and yeah. uh, potentially restrictive. Mm -hmm. But um, we don't have uh, a kind of a, a curricula that somehow encompasses everything that we need to talk about. Because, well, so again, I mean, I talk about fashion, but obviously talking sustainability is something that should be not just in fashion schools and not just in primary schools, but, you know, but throughout and it hasn't permeated yet, although, again, you know, as an educator, I know so many educators that have taken it upon themselves to provide that education mm -hmm. outside of the curricula. And I know so many students that are looking for that information and that they are finding it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's difficult really to be formulaic about what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, people think making amending, for instance, is no longer in the in the taught in schools it's it's not taught because there's no somehow need for it to be taught with with the type of fashion that that we have these days so that would be a good step but for me the fundamental issue here is the responsibility of brands um mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, whatever education people might find there are certain things that need to happen despite that education or not and that is transparency and public disclosure being mandatory and garment workers, supply chain workers being allowed to be unionized. I mean, these are really, really not very difficult concepts for people to understand. Customers, we have a right to know who made our clothes and in what conditions. Yeah. Um, and this shouldn't be about us self-educating. This yes. should be quite simple, the responsibility mm -hmm. of brands. So we don't need to self-educate. We can just read the information on the label as we do with food, beauty, and pharmaceutical. At the moment, um, customers, and I call them customers and citizens, are asked to do so much and find the right information and find the organization yes. that will provide it for you mm -hmm. on the area that it, you know, this is this is a lot of work when actually brands have made enough money out of us to provide a huge bulk of that information so that then what we follow as customers and consumers are the nuances, you know, the, the, the kind of innovation, but the nitty gritty, that's brands that need to provide it, not us that need to look for it. Mm, totally. Um, and Fashion Revolution Week is coming up. It's very exciting. It's happening from 19th to 25th of April. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. And that's a week where the global community comes together to fight for a better fashion industry. So uh, what are you hoping to get out of Fashion Revolution Week this year? Well, it's always a mixture for me. I mean, you know, we've got the kind of logical things that we need to 
you know, achieve and our mm -hmm. own expectations of ourselves comes in forms of KPIs and, you know, um, mm -hmm. how many people attend, you know, all of our events. And, um, you know, as an organization such as ours, those things matter because they are the way that we can somehow justify what we're doing. Um, so numbers do still count. But um, I tend to be uh, more enamored of the sort of small things that happen spontaneously that you could possibly have never predicted nor imagined. So I will be looking out, out for those. Um, what we really, really wish to happen this year is a, a bigger understanding of the interdependentness and interconnectedness between people and nature. Um, this is, again, a, a topic that we've been trying to um, bring to the forefront, you know, for a number of years. And we feel that this year is, is a little bit more relevant and understood. So using this moment that people seem to understand and seem to be more in tune with this, mm -hmm. this kind of conversation to really ram up how important it is. And, you know, really discuss the importance of treating each other as equals and respecting the environment that we all share. That's lovely. And for those who don't know how they can join, maybe you can, we could tell them a little bit more now. Oh, there are so many ways to join. I, yeah, I exactly. know myself. So, I mean, the, I'd say the first port of call is our website, um, which is neatly divided into, you know, a page where you can find all of our resources, which themselves are neatly divided into the kind of resource, depending on the person that you are. You know, some of us are more the makers, the more the creatives. So some of our initiative will will be right for that and others, you know, more activists wanting to potentially, um, you know, email brands, you know, all of that, all of millions of ways to activate will be on, on our website. Um, for our Fashion Open Studio initiative, it's the Fashion Open Studio website, which is separate but united, mm -hmm. fashionopenstudio.com rather than .org. All oh, of the events are listed there. But the most important thing is wherever you are, find your country team, find your local country team, support them and go through that filter because that will tell you as much as what's happening globally, it will also tell you what's happening locally. And there's much more chances that you can do more if you get involved on a local level rather than just as a visitor in the kind of global, global sphere. Yeah, amazing. I, I hope as many people can join as they can. Um, and Ursula, can you share a dream of yours for yourself, for the planet, for fashion revolution? Okay, What's so first of all, I'm going to share a very selfish dream. Sure, um, go ahead. And that would be to write another book. I've enjoyed mm -hmm. writing my first book. I didn't expect it to be um, as successful as it's been mm -hmm. and I've enjoyed the process and you know I, I as I said I'm 100% creative so the last eight years are the eight years in my life in which I haven't been making clothes in which I mm -hmm. haven't been a designer really mm -hmm. um, and I have found that writing has completely quenched 
my my creative spirits. It's obviously I did want to be a writer when I was 15, but I'm kind of forgotten all about it. And, and now, so that's my selfish dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the earth and for nature, I I it sounds utopistic and ridiculous, but the only thing that I can wish for, the only thing that I can wish for is that we stop this business of looking at each other as different, that we are all equal. We really are. Mm -hmm. And if we'd started like that from the very start, you know, equal man, woman, Mm -hmm. neighbor, close or far, I think we would have a really different planet. And I long for that planet that I've never seen, but I can imagine. Mm, Amazing. I love that. I love that perspective. And the last question I have for you is, you know, for those who are listening, but they don't actually, they're not yet on the path of being more sustainable or following sustainability, um, but they want to know how they can try do you have any pieces of advice on how that person can become more sustainable, you know, in their, their like everyday life? Yeah, I mean, always from the perspective of clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think the most important thing to remember is that the minute we buy something, we become responsible for it. So we ourselves are in this fashion supply chain that we talk about, like it was some faraway land. It's not, it's your wardrobe. That's where you start. Mm-hmm. And this beautiful responsibility of, you know, owning and maintaining and keeping is a starting point. Um, we drastically, drastically need to slow down this industry. Yeah. We drastically need to slow down the high end and we drastically need to slow down in particular the cheaper version, which is why this narrative that fast fashion is not good enough to keep, that it's not well made enough to be maintained is a dangerous narrative that we need to rid ourselves from Mm -hmm. completely. Everything we buy is worth keeping. Mm -hmm. That'll stop you buying more because you will be immediately um creating new focuses you know you start mending something you realize that it feels new that you don't need to go and buy something new that things that you already own can feel new all of these little tricks Mm -hmm. that ultimately push us towards maintaining what we've got respecting what we've got and becoming infectious encouraging others Mm -hmm. to do the same by being an example. This is how trends are made, by the way, with people leading by example. So that's the first thing I would say. Mm -hmm. And the second and probably more important even is to don't think this is like a juicing diet. So therefore approach it as something that it really is of massive interest to you. So what's your entry point into this conversation? Um, Is it, say, animal welfare? Is it... Mm -hmm the environment? Is it understanding the effect of polyester on our oceans? What really squeezes your insides and makes you want to act? That's your starting point. And if you start there, you will continue the journey and you will discover more as you go along. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think we're just on time. So thanks for being here, Ursula. You're amazing. Thank you for your work and for encouraging other people so much, you know, in the entire world. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to stop recording this. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, you. for this opportunity. And again, for your listeners, do, do find the fashion revolution wherever you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, most of our listeners already know about uh, fashion revolution, but they still don't know, uh, like, how they can, like, you know, kind of navigate in this industry where there are so many resources yeah. and, you know, like, they're trying to self-educate. So it was really great to have you. I, I think they will enjoy it a lot. I hope that the sound went all right and and that it'll be okay. Yeah, I'm going to double check and let you know. But thanks so much for... Okay, do let me know. Yeah, um, so sure. basically, a pleasure, a real pleasure. Sorry for having limited time, but, you know, I'm actually going on a two-day break, three-day break. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be working, but I'm going to the countryside. So that's that's nice. why I need to leave a little early today. Yeah, I, I always do it just before Fashion Revolution Week, just go somewhere where there is nature for to breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The onslaught is terrifying. Yeah, that's good. You know, I can imagine the the Fashion Revolution Week is so busy for you, and it's crazy. So bit. I'm looking forward. I wanna um I wanna do something for it as well. So cool, amazing. Well, thank listen, you so thank much. you so much, and lovely talking to you. Bye, Ursula. Ciao, ciao. Bye, bye. Yay! Hi guys, this is Dami, your host. Thanks so much for staying and listening to this podcast. If you would like to support us and follow what we do at Mass Magazine, please do follow us on LinkedIn at Mass Mag or on our Instagram at Mass Magazine. Thank you.